This is Zion Hebraic Congregation with me, Luke Tanner. This week's Shabbat message is by myself, is from the book of Zephaniah. And uh, if you are anywhere in the Newfields, New Hampshire area, do not try to come visit us because if you are listening to this current time, we are not meeting due to the coronavirus situation. So hopefully that will be uh, changing. We'll be back in the building soon. In the meantime, feel free to check us out on our website where you can hear all of our Shabbat messages that we put up weekly. Uh, you can also subscribe to my dad's weekly essays that he posts with your email. And uh, you can check out whatever else we have online. Uh, in the meantime, our music, as always, is by my buddy Evan Shaw. You can find out his info at his website, evanshawmusic.com. Enjoy. Hey, mighty warriors arise, yeah. All right, well, we'll get started. Shabbat shalom, everybody. Eric, I've been missing your take on all this. And if you want... Your little... No, no, you're okay. Um, We're in Zephaniah today. Zephaniah, yeah, Zephaniah, Malachi. So it's a short book. It's only three chapters, so we're going to read it. And then we're going to talk about it. (laughs) Habakkuk? It's after Habakkuk. Nahum? Habakkuk? Gah, I hate... All right, so we're going to read it. Well, first we'll pray, and then we'll read it. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this day, this time to be together, to study and read your word, and that uh, no matter where we are, when we are, Shabbat always happens. And I just thank you for that, and I just uh, ask that you would bless our time, and uh, bless us, and we bless you, and we thank you for your word. Teach us, may we learn from it, go forth and do it. In Yeshua's name I pray, amen. Alright, chapter 1. The word of Yehovah, which came unto Zephaniah, the son of Cushi, the son of Gedaliah, the son of Amariah, the son of Hezekiah, in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, I will utterly consume all things from off the land, saith Yehovah. I will consume man and beast. I will consume the fowls of heaven and the fishes of the sea and the stumbling box with the wicked, and I will cut off man from off Cut off man from off the land, saith Yehovah. I will also stretch out mine hand upon Judah and upon all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and I will cut off the remnant of Baal from this place, and the name of the Chemarines from the with the priests, and them that worship the host of heaven upon the housetops, and them that worship and that swear by Yehovah and that swear by Malcham, and them that are turned back from Yehovah, and those that have not sought Yehovah nor inquired of him. Hold thy peace at the presence of the Lord Yehovah, 
For the day of Yehovah is at hand, for Yehovah hath prepared a sacrifice, he hath bid his guests. It shall come to pass in the day of Yehovah's sacrifice that I will punish the princes and the king's children and all such as are clothed with strange apparel. In the same day also I will punish all those that leap on the threshold, which fill their master's houses with violence and deceit. And it shall come to pass in that day, saith Yehovah, that there shall be the noise of a cry from the fish gate, and an howling from the second, and a great crashing from the hills. How ye inhabitants of Maktesh, for all the merchant people are cut down, all they that bear silver are cut off. And it shall come to pass at that time that I will search Jerusalem with candles and punish the men that are settled on their lees, that say in their heart, Yehovah will not do good, neither will he do evil. Therefore their goods shall become a booty, and their houses a desolation, and they shall also build houses but not inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards but not drink the wine thereof. The great day of Yehovah is near. It is near and hastens greatly. Even the voice of the day of Yehovah, the mighty man shall cry there bitterly. The day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wasteness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of the trumpet and alarm against the fenced cities and against the high towers. I will bring distress upon men, and they shall walk like blind men because they have sinned against Yehovah. And their blood shall be poured out as dust, and their flesh as dung. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of Yehovah's wrath. But the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy. For he shall make even a speedy riddance of all them that dwell in the land. Gather yourselves together, yea, gather together, O nation not desired. Before the degree bringeth forth, before the days pass as the chaff, before the fierce anger of Yehovah come upon you, before the day of Yehovah's anger come upon you. Seek ye, Yehovah, all ye meek of the earth which have wrought his judgment. Seek righteousness, seek meekness. It may be ye shall be hid in the day of Yehovah's anger. For Gaza shall be forsaken, and Ashkelon a desolation. They shall drive out Ashdod at the noonday, and Ekron shall be rooted up. Woe unto the inhabitants of the seacoast and the nation of the Cherethites. The word of Yehovah is against you, O Canaan, the land of the Philistines. I will even destroy thee, that there shall be no inhabitant. The seacoast shall be the dwellings and cottages for shepherds and folds for flock. And the coast shall be for the remnant of the house of Judah, and they shall feed thereupon. In the house of Ashkelon they shall, shall they lie down in the evening, for Yehovah their God shall visit them and turn away their captivity. I have heard the reproach of Moab and the violins of the children of Ammon, whereby they have reproached my people and magnified themselves against their border. Therefore, as I live, saith Yehovah of hosts, the Lord, uh, the God of Israel, surely Moab shall be as Sodom, and the children of Ammon as Gomorrah, even the breeding of nettles and salt pits, a perpetual desolation. The residue of my people shall spoil them, and the remnant of my people shall possess them. This shall they have for their pride, because they have reproached and magnified themselves against the people of Yehovah of hosts. Yehovah will be terrible unto them, for he will famish all the gods of the earth, and the men shall worship and men shall worship him, every one from his place, even all the isles of the heathen. Ye Ethiopians also, ye shall be slain by my sword. I will stretch out his hand against the north and destroy Assyria, and will make Nineveh a desolation and dry like a wilderness. The flock shall lie down in the midst of her, and all the beasts of the nations, both the cormorant and the bitter sh- bit- bittern, shall lodge in the upper lintels of it. 
Their voice shall sing in the windows, desolation shall be in the thresholds, for he shall uncover the cedar work. This is the rejoicing city that dealt carelessly, that said in her heart, I am, and there is none beside me. How is she become a desolation, a place for beasts to lie down in? Everyone that passes by her shall hiss and wag his hand. Chapter 3 Woe to her that is filthy and polluted, to the oppressing city, she obeyed not the voice, she, res she received not correction, she trusted not in Yehovah, she drew not near to her God. Her princes with her are roaring lions, her judges are evening wolves, they gnaw not the bones till the morrow. Her priests are light and treacherous persons, her priests have polluted the sanctuary, they have done violence to the law. The just Yehovah is in the midst thereof, he will not do iniquity, every morning doth he bring his judgments to light, he faileth not, but the unjust knoweth no shame. I have cut off the nations, their towers are desolate, I made their streets waste, that none passeth by. Their cities are destroyed, so that there is no man, that there is none to inhabit. I said, Surely thou wilt fear me, thou wilt receive instruction, so their dwelling should not be cut off. However, I punished them, but they rose early and corrupted all their doings. Therefore, Wait ye upon me, saith Yehovah, until the day that I rise up to the prey. For my determination is to gather the nations, that I may assemble the kingdoms to pour upon them mine indignation, even all my fierce anger. For all the earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. For then will I turn to the people of pure language, that they may all call upon the name of Yehovah to serve him with one consent. From beyond the rivers of Ethiopia shall my... Uh, shall uh, uh, from beyond the river of Ethiopia my supplants, even the daughter of my dispersed, shall bring mine offering. In that day shalt thou not be ashamed for all thy doings, wherein thou hast transgressed against me. For then will I take away out of the midst of thee them that rejoice in thy pride, and there shall be no more be haughty because of my holy mountain. I will also leave in the midst of thee an afflicted and poor people, and they shall trust in the name of Yehovah. The remnant of Israel shall not do iniquity, nor speak lies, neither shall a deceitful tongue be found in their mouth, for they shall feed and lie down, and none shall make them afraid. Sing, O daughter of Zion, shout, O Israel, be glad and rejoice with all the heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. Yahweh hath taken away thy judgments, he has cast out thine enemy, the king of Israel, even Yahweh is in the midst of thee, thou shalt not see evil any more. In that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear thou not, and to Zion, let not thine hands be slack. Yehovah thy God is in the, midst, in the midst of thee as mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. I will gather them that are sorrowful for the solemn assembly who art of thee, to whom the reproach of it was a burden. Behold, at that time I will undo all the afflict, that afflicted thee, and I will save her that halteth, and gather her that was driven out, and I will get them praise and fame in every land where they have been put to shame. At that time I will bring you again, even in the time that I gather you, for I will make you a name and a praise among all the people of the earth, and I will turn back your captivity before your eyes, saith Yahweh. End of the book. Yeah, it it is and it isn't. It's a, it's a book that, you know... Well, I find it so interesting, or kind of cool, and and 
awe-inspiring at the same time. The first thing he says out of the gate, I will utterly consume all things from off the land, saith Yehovah. <laughs> Just as soon as he has Zephaniah speak, these things, he says, you know, he's just going to wipe it all up because Israel had reached a point and Judah had reached a point where their idolatry and their wanton flagrance and disobedience that they waved in the sight of God became too much and the land was full of, of their sin and their pollution and their idols and their, their wickedness and it couldn't, it couldn't tolerate it anymore because eventually things reach a tipping point where... Uh, God has to act for the sake of the people and for the sake of the land. Otherwise, mankind will destroy himself. And so it's actually a merciful thing that God does. Like the flood. You know, we tend to think of the flood as, oh, you know, a little cute wooden boat with giraffe heads sticking out of it. And then, you know, a rainbow and that's so peaceful. Well, yeah, but at the same time, God wiped out everyone except eight people. But at the same time, if he hadn't have done that, mankind would have, would have, would have, yeah, would have killed itself off horrifically in its injustice to each other, because that's what always happens. And so God is a righteous judge and he acts. And so he says in verse two, I will utterly consume all things from off the land. Man and beast, fowls, fishes, stumbling box with the wicked and cut off man from the land. And so, uh, but then he, and in, so in verse four, he says, uh, he's, he's gonna cut off the remnant of Baal. So he says, I'm gonna cut off everything. Then he goes after their idol worship, the remnant of Baal. And, uh, and then in verse six, them that are turned back from the Lord, those that have not sought the Lord, nor inquired from him. So I find it interesting that he points out those three things. They are idol worshipers, verse four, verse six. They are turned back from following God and they have not sought God and not inquired of him. So you have this, these characteristics of someone who is not doing what they should be because what we should be doing is following God, walking in his ways, seeking him, following him, reading his word. And so that, that whole mindset is one in which you have to be devoted to studying and learning and growing and building a relationship with God, just like any marriage relationship or friendship or anything you want to study. I don't know if you're anything like me, you like get on a new subject and what do you do? You like research it to the nth degree, right? So why? You can build a mental framework and picture and experience and a uh, a scaffolding with which to relate to that particular subject and then how you're going to interact with it. So we have to do the same thing with the Word of God. We have to search, search it out, seek it out. We need to uh, know it and, and be able to relate to it. So I don't know about you, but when I tend to read books and go through them, you build a mental framework of... I tend to picture things like if I picture Genesis, I picture the Garden of Eden and then I see Noah and then I see Abraham. And so you build this mental framework of what's in there and what's going on. And then from that, you, you draw out the lessons that then you apply to your own life such that when you're in certain situations, you can apply them appropriately. And so that's what's supposed to happen with us in the Word of God, especially in the diaspora because... We're in chaos. We're in punishment because it's a curse to be out of the land. And so 
Uh, we need his word all the more. And so that's what the whole point of exile is, is to get God's people to turn back to him. Because the reason he kicks them out of the land and wipes out the land is because they didn't seek him. They didn't inquire after him. Uh, and they, they, they weren't following after him. And so he has to kick them out to punish them, to get them to recognize their depraved condition, and then start to turn back, start to inquire after him, start to learn. And so that's what we're doing now. We've been in exile for forever. We're finally figuring out that we shouldn't be here and that eventually Yeshua is going to return and he's going to rule and he's going to reign. And so as such, we want to be good citizens of his kingdom. And so these are some things we need to do. But part of the first thing that he talks about is these idols that get pervasively intermingled in the midst of them. And they are snares, traps, gins, nets. They're things that entangle us from doing what we should be. And an idol, as I've said so many times before, is anything that comes between you and the Word of God and obeying God. Um, I'll leave that there. <laughs> uh, so... They don't, they don't, uh, and then I find it interesting, it, you, we go down to verse 8, and it comes to pass, shall come to pass, uh, in the day of Yehovah's sacrifice, I will punish the princes and the king's children, and all such as are clothed with strange apparel. To tell you the truth, I didn't really dig into that and read a whole bunch of commentators or look at the etymology of the words or whatever, because I didn't really care. <laughs> but, but it would be interesting to see. Like, it would be interesting to see, yeah. Exactly. I think exactly you're exactly right. What I think was going on was so why do we wear what we wear basically? I mean, clothes are basically just to cover you from the elements. It's base form. You could just put a burlap sack on and it'll do the job, right? But we wear we wear clothes one for functionality, but most people don't purely dress for function. It says something about us, and it reflects what's going on inside. And so I think that this strange apparel was an external reflection of the disaster that was on the inside of their hearts. And so, because he talks about he, these princes and the kings and their children, and what do you see? I find it so interesting, like you even look at the newspaper today, and it's like all over the quote-unquote Western world, other than Islamic countries, everybody wears suits. Everybody has the same similar apparel because it says something to the rest of the world about who they are or who they want the rest of the world to think of them as. And so, but in God's eyes, he agrees. So God agrees with that concept. And he says, exactly. It tells me exactly who you are. And so they were wearing strange apparel because it was reflecting the strange gods that they were following. They were not following after God and his word and his ways because the biblical requirements of clothing are, are pretty basic. It wears, eats, eat, and be modest, really. It didn't really give you much other indication other than like the priests and Levites' garments. And, and probably there was some foreign influence going on in the temple worship and service because there was a certain garment that they were supposed to wear and so as 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 strange fire was brought by Aaron's sons it's not how God meant it to be is basically the point and so their clothing was reflecting the the inward disaster that was their heart so idol worship was pervasive 
they were not seeking after God. They weren't inquiring after God because inside they were seeking after, inquiring after other things, which then propagated outward behavior that was not what God wanted. Disobedience, strange clothing. So, um, and then in verse 9, we get, he says, uh, all those that leap upon the threshold, uh, they fill their master's houses with violence and deceit. In the same day, I will punish all those that leap on the, on the threshold and fill their master's houses with violence and deceit. This idea of leap, leaping on the threshold, the threshold was like the doorpost of their house. It represented the kind of the authority of the house, who and what the house was. It was a, you know, you they would, uh, if, if a, a servant committed himself to the master's house, they would uh, put an awl through his ear to the doorpost and blood was shed. When they put the, the, uh, the blood of the lamb on the lintel and the doorpost, it represents, you know, um, I don't know how to explain it. It represents the, uh, the essence of what the family is. And so when they put the blood on the doorpost, it said, you know, we are, we are, are putting this blood on as a signification that it's dying instead of us and it is covering our household. And so when they trample on, uh, where is it here? They leap upon the threshold. They're, the idea here is the house and the family being torn down and being destroyed essentially. And, and, and the servants fill their master's household with violence and deceit. There's just chaos everywhere. Everybody's looking out for themselves. Everybody's taking advantage of everyone else. And so it's just a disaster. So, uh, oh, and then, and then we get down to verse 12 of 1. He says, um, he says, He will punish the men that are settled on their lees, that say in their heart, The Lord will do no good, neither will he do evil. And I find that such a fascinating thing because to me, it's a perfect reflection of today's culture. Religious and non-religious. From a religious point of view, it's kind of like, Jesus died, and so God's not really going to do much of anything. Either, either way, you know what I mean? It's this apathetic attitude towards everything, and we all just kind of go on living like we've been living while the foundations crumble around us. And, and likewise, the world says, everything's just going on. I don't see the hand of God anywhere. I don't see any light any bolts. I do whatever I want, and God doesn't really do anything, you know. But God has words for that. And and eventually, though, God does act. He allows things to continue on until it reaches a culminating point where the, the earth cannot sustain the wickedness anymore. And he has to judge and he has to act. And so um, they say they are settled on their lees. They are not active in following God and seeking after him. So he's going to destroy them. And so you get down into um, 14. It says, The great day of Yehovah is near. It's near and hasteneth greatly, even the voice of the day of Yehovah. The day of Yehovah, meaning, is a euphemism for when God decides to judge and to act. And he does that through various means, sometimes with fire and brimstone, sometimes with a foreign entity or nation that comes in and takes over and destroys everything. But he says, the mighty man shall cry bitterly. So even in that day, 
they, the, even the mighty man will, will cry bitterly because I think he, he takes away the spirit of, of strength and stability and weakness. Like he talks about when, um, you know, if they are disobedient, one will chase a hundred, you know, and ten a thousand. Whereas when God is with his people, uh, he, one of the people of God will chase a hundred and ten a thousand. I might be getting my ratios off, but you know what I mean. So that is the day of wrath. And then um, drop down to 17. It says in 17, I will bring distress upon the men and they shall walk like blind men because they have sinned against Jehovah. Their blood shall be poured out upon the dust and their flesh as dung. So I find that interesting that their blood will be poured out on the dust because whenever there's blood, innocent blood shed, shed the land uh, is cursed and, and it can only be cleansed by the shedding of blood. That's why even if you had manslaughter happen and you were chopping wood and your axe head flew off and killed the guy next to you, you, even though it was an accident unintended, you had to go live in a refugee city and you couldn't leave until the high priest died. And so in a way, the high priest's death acted as a covering or took the place of the loss of that life that happened because there's, there's, there's consequences for actions. And if you didn't stay in the refugee city, the family members could come and kill you because you were supposed to be there because you had robbed someone of their life. Even accidentally, they could come and come after you. And so uh, God is going to bring this distress on them because they sinned against the Lord. They had stopped seeking Him. They had stopped following Him and inquiring after Him. Idol worship came in. They Violence and deceit were running rampant. They were trampling on the threshold. They were saying God doesn't good, good or evil. They're just going about their ways. But God's going to bring destruction. And the mighty men will cry bitterly because they have sinned against their God. And then uh, in 18, neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of Yehovah's wrath. There is no protection from God's wrath and you cannot store up silver, gold, things, bunkers, whatever. God's destruction will be complete. And uh, so then what are we supposed to do? Two, chapter three. I'm sorry, chapter two, verse three. So he says, seek Yehovah, all ye meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment, seek righteousness, seek meekness. It may be ye shall be hid in the day of Yehovah's anger. So even though, like, I think this obviously was written for a specific time in Israel's history, I believe that it's also prophetic of what will be coming for the entire world when God judges the earth. And so... It's kind of the same story that he said from the beginning. You know, we are to seek God. We are to turn to Him and His ways. And that means knowing His Word, reading it, embedding it into our lives, and building our lives around it. You know, we've, it's been, we've gotten, as a society, very far away from building our familial and life habits around the Word of God and what He says to do, even just the Sabbath or Sunday, you know, like taking that day off, congregating together with fellow believers and 
uh, establishing a life that is every, everything's contingent upon that. <coughs> and it takes effort to do. You have to be active in taking control of your life and what's going on and what you're doing, what you're allowing in, what you're not, how it's affecting your family. And so it's the job, especially of the fathers and then of the, of the, of the congregation leaders to make sure that happens because he's going to talk here about the priests and he doesn't have good things to say. So, seek Yehovah. All ye that are meek, seek uh, the Lord. So, and then let's go to verse, or chapter 3. And verse 4. Her prophets are light and treacherous persons, and her priests have polluted the sanctuary. They have done violence to the law. The just Yehovah is in the midst thereof. He will not do iniquity. Every morning doth he bring his judgments to light. He faileth not, but the unjust knoweth no shame. So the prophets who are supposed to speak forth the worth of God, they are light and treacherous persons. They've turned back. They speak forth not the word of God anymore. And I think the same thing has happened. Whoever those prophets are, and if there are even any today, you know, they're... Prophesying falsely, I think, for the most part. They're saying peace, peace when there is no peace. And they're not calling back the people to repentance. You know, the problem with the nation and the world that we're in right now as I speak is because of the people of God. Because we have not stood up and been the light that we're supposed to be and led our communities as we're supposed to be and to speak and to teach as supposed to. And so, evil just does as evil does. You know, it is the light that dispels it. It is the light that is the, the, the counteracting force. Darkness and wickedness and evilness is the norm. It is what's normal. And so, if the light does not shine, then darkness just naturally comes into place. And so, there's no... We shouldn't be surprised at what we see around us because... It just is the nature of the wickedness of mankind. And, uh, you know, so I think we as the people of God, while well, we need to recognize where, what's going on, where things are coming from, why things are happening, at the same time, we need to be very careful to not, not just point the finger everywhere, but to do as we need to do in our own life, in our own hearts, in our own families, in our own homes, and to be lights in our communities as much as we are. And that is going to be more and more challenging and difficult as time goes on because there's going to be, I believe, fewer and fewer people producing light. And so you're going to stick out a lot more, you know. Uh, but that's okay. We serve a God who, greater is he who is in us than is in the world, you know. Okay, so they did violence to the law. We need to uphold the law. So, uh, But what I love in verse 5, Yehovah is in the midst thereof. He will not do iniquity. Every morning doth he bring forth his judgment to light. And I just love that passage because when I get up and I see the sunrise, it's like every morning the sun coming up, I don't know, to me it's like, yeah, you know. You can't stop that. God's in charge. You know, his, his creation, everything that happens on a daily basis declares that he is the, 
the creator and he is the mighty God and he's in control and of everything. He faileth not, but the unjust knoweth no shame. Unfortunately, in our culture today, we are full of unjustness because there is no shame anymore. Because to have shame is to recognize that there is a standard and if you are not, if you are, if you are not conforming to the standard of right and wrong, then it's shameful. But it's also only shameful if the majority of people uphold the standard of right and wrong. So if you have the majority upholding right and wrong and then someone doesn't, they should be ashamed and the, and the majority should say, shame on you. But unfortunately, we, we have a culture of unjustness where Anybody can do whatever and nobody says anything because as long as they're not hurting anybody, whatever that means, how do you define whether you're hurting someone or not? You know, again, it's all arbitrary. So when you, when you throw out all standards, then nothing means anything. And, and there's no shame. Shame goes away because there's no right and wrong. And who are you to say? And this is what's in my heart. Uh, and that's the path that you go down. So, what's God say? Verse 8, all the earth will be devoured with fire of my jealousy. So he's going to wipe it out. He's going to destroy it because he has to. He cannot allow it to continue on as it is because he's a merciful God and he cares. And so he's going to correct things. And then he will turn a pure language unto the people that they may all call upon the name of Yehovah to serve him with one consent. Whether or not this is an actual spoken language, and all of us are going to be speaking Hebrew or whatever the original language was, maybe, fine. Either way, I don't know that that matters so much as, as much as what the point of it is, that they will call upon Yehovah, meaning they will submit themselves and they will seek God and they will follow after him, and then they will all serve him with one consent, with one, uh, the Hebrew to get into that, means shoulder, like when you put your shoulder and in, push into something. They will all head in the same direction. And so God's going to unify us somehow, some point that way. Right now, that's not really the case in the believing community. We're all kind of pushing all different directions. Uh, but that's why it's important to rally around the word of God. And even that's under attack. You know, it's being distorted from the manuscript level to the translation level to all these different levels. And so, you know, Satan is always sowing seeds of chaos and discord. And that's why it's so important that we cling to the written word of God as he has delivered it to us. Because it is him. It is who he is. And it gives us a framework from which to build our lives, to model our lives after, and how to follow him. So, and then um, he goes on and, and kind of lays out a lot of the blessings in, in the end time uh, promises that he's giving to his people and that he will gather them. And uh, go to 18, I will gather them that are sor sorrowful. Uh, for the solemn assembly who are of thee, to whom uh, the reproach of it was a burden. Behold, at that time I will undo all that afflict thee, and I will save her that halteth, and gather her that was driven out, and I will gather them that praise and fame in every land where they have been put to shame. 
and at that time I will bring you again, even in the time that I gather you, for I will make you a name and a praise among all the people of the earth when I turn back your captivity before your eyes. So someday, eventually, hopefully sooner than later, God will turn back the captivity. But in the meantime, he's rebuilding his kingdom, he's gathering the lost sheep, and the message of the gospel is going forth, calling the people back to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand so that we will be ashamed of the state that we've been in and do what's right and serve him. Because no matter what's going on in the world and around us and the world's doing, we still have a duty to be in his word, know his word, serve it, obey it, and do it. Stand for what's right and apply it. I mean, our forefathers, they left England because they have a religious oppression. They put their lives on the line and most of them died. And because... Because what they, what they held in their hands and what they read, they considered more valuable than their own lives. And so it was worth dying for. And they put their lives and their families at stake for it. And uh, that's happened all through history, not the, just them. And it's, it's a heritage that we carry forth and we have to stand on. We have to uphold as well. And, um, you know, that's why... There was a high literacy in the early days in America because they believe, our early Puritan fathers believed that it was really important that everyone could read the Word of God because they knew that freedom, particularly religious freedom, and how to live was based on the ability to know and read the Word of God. And so you, when, when God was the ultimate authority, it put a lid on dictators and tyrants and unjustness. And so we have to hold on to that and we have to represent that and carry that forth and teach that to our children and not let it be lost because of because we've been mystified and stupefied and, and, and mesmerized by the shiny glowing things around us in our culture because we have become fat, dumb, and happy in, in Zion. You know, I think Satan is a master statistician in that Instead of just trying to kill all the believers and burn all the Bibles, he just gives them everything that their base nature wants and they kill themselves and they stop reading their Bibles themselves. And so we have to fight against that. And that's the hardest battle that there is. Because you need to get up, you need to read your Bible, you need to be fit, you need to teach your children, you need to order your life such that it that you will be the eminently qualified believer and that takes work and it takes struggle and because uh, if we can't do that in our own lives in our own families when persecution does really come it's going to really not be pretty so start now Ooh, the time is now to exercise our walk with God. So let's pray. Heavenly Father God, thank you for this day, for your word, for this book of the prophets, and that uh, it's the judgment that you speak is harsh, God, but it's it's good and it's righteous, and I thank you for it, and I thank you that you're a just judge and that you know all things. Help us to turn to you, to follow you, to seek you, and uh, do what's right, and teach the next generation, and that you would would come and redeem us quickly gather us back to your land that you would build your kingdom and that you would judge the earth 
uh, Father, in your time. And in the meantime, may we just occupy as you have given us the gifts that you have and they produce much fruit with what you have given us and uh, be a light in the world. In Yeshua's name I pray. Amen. Hey, mighty warriors arise, yeah. Freedom does lie on me away. For soon is the day when we see your face on the mountain of your